must reunite it with its own kind. You're very special, kid. I agreed to take you back to your own kind, so that's what I need to do. And they're gonna take real good care of you. I've been quested with returning this child to the Jedi. What do you know of the Jedi? Nothing. He needs your help. The Jedi Order fell a long time ago. So did the Empire, yet it still hunts him. Long live the Empire. Long live the Empire. I'm here for the armor. If you want my armor, you'll have to peel it off my dead body. I don't want your armor. I want my armor. Are you a Jedi? I am. Come, little one. He doesn't want to go with you. He wants your permission. He is strong with the Force. But talent without training is nothing. I will give my life to protect the child. But he will not be safe until he masters his abilities. He go on. That's who you belong with. He's one of your kind. I'll see you again. I promise. and 52 of blast points this is jason and this is gabe we're talking about the mandalorian season two have you heard of it did you see it <laughs> i hope so there wasn't a lot going on at the end of last year but if you could find some free time mando season two is on uh and it was definitely worth making time for nobody was really talking about it it was kind of a bummer it just didn't get a whole lot of attention it's kind of a sleeper thing it's a cult it's a cult hit as the kids say but yeah so it's been what a couple months now since the end of season two and it's it's a good time to look back it's a good time to reflect on just what the heck happened because it's a lot it's a, it's a lot happened it's a lot to digest yeah, much like season one, there was a lot of stuff packed in, and it was a different season in some ways, and maybe had even more stuff packed in than season one, or at least different types of things packed in. It was so different in so many ways. I mean, even just looking at them, just not even just like the content of what was what was in the episodes, it's like... It was also different going in because I feel like season one was such a surprise like across the board from the the end of the first episode with being introduced to Baby Yoda and just, you know, the surprise of Star Wars on TV and how well it worked and how big that show was and how fast it caught on with with fans and new fans and I feel like the expectation for season two was huge, which it's like there was expectation for season one from like from us and like from from people that were like really looking forward to it. But 
I feel like for for general audiences, for most people, it just kind of snuck up on them. Yeah, definitely. And but by season two, kind of everybody was waiting for season two. Well, either people were sucked into the story and Baby Yoda from season one, or at least wanting to see what's happening and what everybody is talking about because they did manage to make something that really kind of everybody could get into as weird and crazy as Mandalorian gets, which is really, to me, one of the wildest things about it is that it does get so completely Star Wars off the rails, but it's still able to get normal people sucked in and like, you know, your neighbor's aunt's brother who's never watched Star Wars before is asking you about the Mandalorian because he heard it's pretty cool and saw one episode. And I feel like the fan expectation too, even beyond like the neighbor's brother's sister's girlfriend's cousin that was watching it and was asking questions about Mandalorians and stuff. But, but the fan expectation was just out of control too of like now it's you know like the the second movie in a series or something where it's like well now this has to happen and if this doesn't happen then i'm gonna burn it all down and you know what's true because the first season going in not knowing what star wars tv was gonna be and not knowing what the show was gonna be you were kind of just holding on so you didn't you know fall out of your chair just seeing that it even existed but then by season two, it's kind of like, okay, now I know what this Star Wars TV show thing is all about. I know these characters. And then you start wanting what you want. And then you get into that. Are, is the show giving me what I want? Or is it just giving me what it wants? And depending on what you want, you're either into it or maybe you're not. But that's different than season one because season one was just such a, a mystery of like, what even is this show? And now we know what this show is, but season two kind of, I guess, let everybody know that nothing's off the table. And if you think it might happen, it could happen. And if it seems like it should happen, it probably will happen. And that's very different than what we were, I think, feeling week to week with season one. Uh, maybe until the end when the Darksaber showed up and then we started to think, okay, maybe this is bigger than we thought it was going to be. And that that's so true because, yeah, the Darksaber was, like, at the time, yeah, we did a whole episode about it, about this time last year. We were like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, you think of, like, where we are now with the show. And it was, it's just like, oh, yeah, the Darksaber. That's, <laughs> that's very small. And that's the thing with season two that the show got, bigger in every way it took like the leap from season one to from to season two i don't know to me it feels massive because the story expanded and it got more complex in what some of the episodes were even saying just kind of everything that they did in season one was i feel like expanded upon in season two yeah i almost you know, thinking back of both of them too, feel like season two is a lot different in many ways. And I mean, there's kind of two ways to do it. There's one where you do just keep getting more of the same, which in some cases, I mean, that's not always a bad thing. And there's shows like that where, you know, cause I think going into the first season, we kind of thought that it was going to be like every week is kind of the same. And the Mandalorian goes and he does this thing and then it goes to the next episode and, in theory, that could go on forever. But now we're seeing with season two, they are trying to expand the universe of the show. And in the end, season two and season one are kind of different things that complement each other. But season two wasn't just more of season one, which is different, I think, than people were expecting going into. Because I think I thought season two was going to be a lot more like season one, just more episodes and not kind of really going all out with introducing at this point, what three, four other shows and possibly those shows spawning more shows into the future. And kind of just this whole star Wars TV universe thing that we shouldn't be surprised about, but it is still kind of surprising that it is really finally happening and happening so quickly. 
I still almost kind of just keep forgetting that, that that's happening. And every once in a while, you, you see like the all the titles like laid out like from the, the that investors thing and like Kathy Kennedy standing in front of me and it's just like, oh, my God, <laughs> what are you doing to me, Star Wars? <laughs> trying to take it easy. The, the One of the big things that got, I feel like, the most talk during season two, and I, it, it's something that I feel like people still associate with season two is the whole idea that it turned into like the the cameo of the week and i feel like people just got kind of used to that idea and it people got some criticism and stuff and it's not something that ever bothered me because it always felt like every one of the the cameos whether it was like bo-katan or ahsoka or Vanth or even Frog Lady or something, every one of these like new characters that were introduced in the new episodes, in the end, they all moved Din's story forward. Yeah, because it wasn't like they were just showing up for no reason. It's kind of, I think, you know, the thing that Dave Filoni, when he's producing something, does a good job of, 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 bringing in things from other Star Wars stuff that makes sense to the Star Wars story they're telling and not just because it would be cool. And sometimes there's things that would be cool that they don't do just because it doesn't make sense. And there are just as many people annoyed that the first season seemed like it wasn't going anywhere. And then now the second season is going places quickly by bringing all these other characters from, throughout the universe in and then it's like well now the story now the show's going too quickly why isn't it like last season where it was just the same people over and over again kind of a thing and it was nice yeah to see them do something different and yes they were bringing these characters in to potentially give them their own shows but why not (laughs) right and it's like as much enjoyment as i got out of new characters like ig11 and quill in the first season I got just as much of a different kind of enjoyment of seeing some of the animated characters come into live action or seeing all the Attack of the Clones love come back with Boba, Django Boba, Tamora Morrison coming back. Like, I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with just giving us different kinds of excitement each season. And, you know, with season three, who knows? Maybe it'll be a mix. Maybe they'll go back to new characters. It's kind of like... There might not be any characters left to bring into the show. And at this point, they have three, four other shows to start bringing in more animated characters or or other people from the movies. Like, they don't all have to now be in Mandalorian Season 3 because there's Book of Boba Fett and there's Ahsoka and there's Rangers of the New Republic. We got what we got with Season 2, and I'm sure we're going to get something slightly different for Season 3. Yeah, that's the thing that I can't see that kind of like guest star of the week thing continuing in season three because then it would almost i don't know like as much as i enjoyed it in season two i could see it quickly becoming almost like a cliche in season three and we're going to get into it as as the episode goes on but i feel like the tone of season three just has to be different, like across the board, much like from one to two was, but you know, you read a lot of things like, well, well, they, well, so they brought in this person and that person and this person. And people say, well, who is it going to be in season three? I don't know. I wouldn't expect that so much going into whatever they do for the third season. I would yeah, almost expect something as radically different as the one was to two. I think in season one, once you've set up this is what the show is, you're always open to have a little more fun and yet still deepen the whole experience for the characters and the viewers. When we do recreate things, we show it the proper respect and not just the respect for making it look like the place, like when we did the cantina, but for the people that worked on it, for the people that were a part of the legacy of Lucasfilm that are the reason we have jobs. Living up to that expectation and living up to that creativity 
the recreation of a set location or characters that we've seen before. It's, it's what we're doing with them, how we're executing them. That's all part of the, the magic. Never stop learning. That's the way of the Jedi, never stop learning. So before we start getting into speculation on where the, the, the next season of The Mandalorian could go, let's look back. Let's do a quick look back at every episode from season two. What we liked, what we didn't like, what our thoughts on a couple months later, things we've had to reflect on as time has gone by. I watched a bunch of the episodes just this week getting ready for this episode, and man, there's some that like you just can't turn away from. As soon as you press play, it's just like, well, I'm just going to watch one part. I'm just going to watch like when Bo-Katan and her wrecking crew shows up. And then the next thing you know, you watch the whole episode. Well, and that's how you know it's it's good Star Wars when you're like, well, I'm just going to watch this part. And then, oh, what? The next part's great. Oh, but I'll just watch this next part. And next thing you know, you're three movies in. You need to go to bed. <laughs> Phantom Menace is on TNT. I'm only going to watch the pod race. And then I'm going to go to sleep. Yeah, and then it's four in the morning and you're on Camino and attack of the clones. <laughs> what have I done? Well, and with these seasons too, I mean, much like season one, it's, it's almost a different experience when the season is done and getting to rewatch them kind of back to back to back without the week wait in between where you can kind of feel the flow of the, of the whole season a little bit. And it was nice because, uh, during season one, my wife was watching the episodes every week, but when season two came out, she realized that she can't not binge things. So she waited until the season was over to watch it. So it was nice to, after watching it every week, to pretty much watch the whole season start to finish in one day with her. And yeah, it really is a different, it becomes like a four hour movie at that point. Just an, an epic experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's like watching one of the Hobbit movies, but more exciting hopefully in season three there's a part where everybody's going down the river in barrels fine with that and and uh they can have cg christopher lee do kung fu like in a sega cd cutscene. oh my oh my are you in need of assistance my lady you should have stayed dead Okay, the Marshall. We you know we did a whole episode about the Marshall last year, but uh, it's still it's still such a joy. The Marshall, it just from top to bottom. I mean, I'm I'm so glad seeing that Cobb Vanth Mania is still going on. Like the like the the High Republic video that came out, and one of the authors had the Cobb Vanth standee behind her. People still got Cobb Vanth Mania, and that's just a beautiful thing to witness. It is. It was. It was insane that it was even a thing, and the fact that everybody loved it, and everyone is just dying for more Cobb Vanth. Well, in going back and watching everything too, like it definitely did still feel like it was this great kind of cap off to season one and start to season two. It kind of straddled both seasons, and it was fun to see John Favreau just go at it. And I kind of hope. They, he does another episode in, in season three or when one of the other shows, like, you know, he does a good job. Yeah, like he said, it was just a wonderful kickoff to the season. And the zinger at the end with Boba Fett, I mean, it wasn't even that long ago when people were just like, that's not Boba Fett, it's Rex. Or that's that's some random clone. doesn't have to, why, why everyone think it's Boba Fett? It's wonderful, simpler times. Yeah. Or even it was barely a year ago when we were like, oh, there's no way they're really going to do Boba Fett. Wait, is that really going to be Boba Fett? No, it can't be Boba Fett. But it sounds like Boba Fett. It's got to be Boba Fett. No, they're not going to do Boba Fett. They're not just going to willy-nilly put the spurs in. <laughs> what the special edition radio sound? You can't do that to people. People have families. You'd ruin people's lives. Okay, so let's move on to to the second episode the passenger just a wild wild time of an episode yeah starting off with peyton reed and it wasn't the big hollywood episode which was cool it was a very strange episode 
and what we started off with a little bit on Tatooine with the great jetpack gag and Mando kind of being a nasty boy when people mess with the babies. And then we get introduced to Frog Lady, and then it's just, it goes off the rails immediately. Dr. Mandible and Amy Sedaris is back. And yeah, just Frog Lady taking a bath and giant spiders. And it's, that, and that's the thing, like you were saying, it's like at, coming after the Marshall, like the reaction of that episode was just kind of like, what is this? But now looking at it in the big picture, it just fits in beautifully and it's just a fun bizarre weird episode with giant ice spiders and there's nothing wrong with that well and if anything too it's almost like a goodbye to season one episode where here's what you expect this season to be because this is kind of what season one was this new weird alien creature character the frog lady and some creatures and some baby action and it's just you know, three people isolated in the snow. It's kind of small scale until the spiders come out. And then you kind of realize, okay, this isn't season one because there's a lot of spiders. But it really is kind of like the doors blow off and we're now uh, we're now flying with the windows open. <laughs> right. Season two's got the windows open and everybody's everybody's blowing in. So moving on to the heiress, which in our uh, Blast Points Army episode on the, on the Patreon, we referred to it as the Slayer Rain and Blood episode because uh, back in the day when you'd get the Slayer Rain and Blood album on cassette, it was the entire album on each side of the cassette because it's so fast and so furious. The heiress is literally like Rain and Blood. It's just like non-stop headbanging from beginning to end well it's like the whole episode is what is it like 20 minutes it's barely 30 minutes if even and it's like like slayer rain and blood like you listen to it and it's done so quick you just listen to it again and it's kind of like if you watch the heiress you might as well just watch it twice because it moves so quick and it's so short and to the point and yeah, that one, I think, just kind of set the bar for season two as far as like, okay, this is not season one. This is not this is more than I was expecting. As huge as the Marshall got, Bo-Katan and straight out of Clone Wars and Rebels Mandalorians showing up is still insane to me that not only did this happen, but it wasn't like the season finale. It was literally like by the third episode, we're already full on in live action animated character world. Well, and the, the huge thing of Din's character moving forward, like we were saying, like it, it wasn't just the cameo of the week, like, Oh, look who it is. And you got to go to Wikipedia and look up who it is or something. Bo-Katan's purpose of, you know, kind of saying, Oh, you know, you, you're children of the watch. And, Din saying to her, like, there is only one way, the way of the Mandalore. And Bo and her crew kind of just, like, rolling their eyes, like, yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> right. And after, you know, season one kind of just driving in the whole, this is the way, and, like, well, I guess this is just how Mandalorians are now, right? Like, they don't take their helmets off. I wonder what happened. And then now, you know, the audience, us realizing what's going on, and then Din realizing that, wait, no, there are still the Mandalorians like we thought they would be. And he is potentially this other group that is different. It's like all our minds were blown at the same time as Din watching this episode. It's like this episode was the whole overarching theme of season two kind of really kind of started to become a little bit more obvious in this episode of the dangers of following rules and what you believe and what that means and believing things without kind of questioning the outcome of your actions in this, this is the way it's supposed to be. And this is what I believe it's yeah. Like you said, it's like season one was everything. This is the way, and it was on t-shirts and people say it and ha ha ha, this is the way. But you know, that's the great thing kind of about season two. Where it was like, maybe that isn't the way. <laughs> And maybe there shouldn't just be the way. Maybe there are a lot of ways. 
Well, and yeah, this episode really is, like you're saying, the beginning of, of the story of season two that kind of comes to a conclusion a little bit in with the believer later in the season is kind of the, the climax of, of what starts in the heiress. And then that, you know, rolls over into the, the, uh, what happens in the final episode. And in the heiress too, there's just, it's a feast of star Wars joy. There's Mon Calamari in sweaters Oh yeah, see, all right. I fix your fix your ship, no problem. Yeah, the the beautiful Corin. So many good, just alien people voices. The grumpy Corins. <laughs> you you killed my brother. I'm gonna kill you. Just I'm gonna kill your pet. <laughs> Corins and overalls. Just just a delight. Yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard came back to direct this and just exploded the volume everything the entire city of los angeles just exploded because this episode no one was expecting it to be this good and this fast and this intense and yeah literally packed with star wars goodness i mean frog lady meets frog man and they have a baby in like five minutes grogu is playing with a baby frog person and we didn't even get to the you know the shootout mandalorian Din team up, taking out stormtroopers in a spaceship right out of Rebels climax. Like, yeah, it's still, that's the episode to beat. That may be the Star Wars thing to beat for all time of just Star Wars insanity per minute of of anything. Ludwig's score is so out of control good in that episode. Yeah, it's just, it's one of the best ever. So let's move on to the siege. Well, the siege it had a hard time going in because it literally any episode that was coming after the heiress had uh, the bar was set pretty high. I do think, and I think you're in the same boat overall. This is probably my least favorite episode of the whole season, but my least favorite episode of Mandalorian season two is still a good place to be in, in the overall things that I enjoy. Cause I would not turn down an opportunity to watch this episode again. Even if overall it's maybe the weakest episode, it still has some of the best moments. Yeah. I mean, it's got a star Wars school. <laughs> <laughs> That's something we've waited our whole lives to see yeah. the Mando, the loop de loop in the, in the sky at the end with uh, Grogu throwing up his his space cookies and stuff. Well, really, the whole action scene from the escape from the Imperial base through to Mando rescuing them, you know, with his his loop de loops, like that's some A plus Star Wars action. And the fact that this is you know a TV show made by people working from home, and it was just as intense and exciting. And just visually exciting as one of the theatrical movies is is incredible. And it introduced the whole idea of the weird clone things. <laughs> I, w- I would put it at the bottom of my season two list. But yeah, like you said, even my least favorite Mando of the year is still top flight entertainment. It's like if you eat a whole bag of Doritos, eventually you're going to eat the last Dorito and you might get a tummy ache. So it, that might be like your least favorite Dorito, but it's still Doritos and you still ate the whole bag. So it's all good in the end. I just like the idea of someone eating an entire bag of Doritos and rating each chip. <laughs> no, this one was the best Dorito. Mm, let's try the next one. Mm, no. That's not how you eat chips. <laughs> From now on, <laughs> I I haven't been posting my Dorito rankings. The Star Wars trilogy is back on the big screen and in selected bags of Doritos. Everyone's excited, some more than others. Help me, Obi Wan! You're only hope. Chewie, don't worry about me. You gotta rescue the princess now. Luke, I am your father. It's true. Now celebrate with Star Wars 3D motion cards. Collect all six in specially marked bags of Doritos tortilla chips. Yoda, I've come to complete my training. All right, so let's move on to the next great Dorito, 
the episode The Jedi. This, it's like when I was going back, the, the Jedi could be the most important episode of the season. I would say this episode and another episode coming up that we're going to talk about are the two most important episodes of the season with, yeah, the Jedi being in there. I think we said it again, like with, with our, um, over on the blast points army on the Patreon. If you want more of this, we've got an hour, sometimes an hour plus on each and every one of these episodes. And I, what was our Jedi episode? It was like an hour and 45 minutes or something insane. Because yeah, it was a little insane there. This is an episode that, yeah, I think when we, I think when we did that one, I think we said that this is one that's going to be interesting to go back to. And even just a couple months later, it's really fascinating going back to knowing especially how this season ends and where the, the remaining episodes go. Going back and watching the interactions with Ahsoka again and what she says and her reaction to everything. I, and I feel like this is the way th- this episode is going to be forever where this is an episode that's just going to keep getting better and better and better. Well, and it's also where the the episode started to get more unique. And this is definitely has a different feel to, to the rest of the season. As much as it's action-packed, things kind of slow down. It's kind of, I don't know, I always feel like I'm just like taking deep breaths watching this one in the middle of the season. It just it has a different look. It's kind of Dave Filoni being the most Dave Filoni, like season one seemed like he was trying to maybe, you know, set the tone for what Mandalorian was. And with the second episode kind of getting into, you know, Westerns, but also kind of keeping the feel of the rest of the season where this just seems like it's just Dave Filoni throwing all his favorite stuff at the screen. And it might still be my favorite episode this season to watch where it's like, I think, the heiress and maybe the believer are the best episodes, but the one I enjoy the most is probably the Jedi. Yeah. Cause again, it, it's another very important episode where it, it's not just Ahsoka showing up for the heck of it. Ahsoka is a Jedi, but she's not a Jedi. Like very much like how, Din is a Mandalorian, but he's not a Mandalorian. And and it asks the questions, okay, well then what makes a Jedi? What then do you have to be to be a Jedi? What does that even mean in this time frame of the the, the galaxy and the story? And like what does it really mean to be a Mandalorian? Right. And is it more important to be what people think a Jedi is or think a Mandalorian is, or is it more important to be true to the spirit of what those things are, even if it's not to the letter, what a Jedi is or a Mandalorian, is it more important to be true to yourself or true to the, what other people think you should be? Or do any of those things even matter? Din is going off. Say I'm looking for a Jedi to take this kid to train him even if that's not necessarily what he wants. And, uh, you know, Ahsoka then should be, well, it's if she was true, you know, following the rule books of the Jedi, be like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to take this little baby and train it to be a Jedi. And the fact that Ahsoka says, no, you two have a bond, and I'm not getting in the way of that. I will not train him. Like, you guys need each other. I went into his mind and talked to him. And that's really interesting, especially considering how this season ends now, too. Right, because if it wasn't for this episode, I think the way the last episode hits you would be different. And that this episode really kind of lays the foundation for how you react to the rescue at the end of the season. I think the other thing too with this one that's just kind of fun is as much as up to this point, the Mandalorian really hasn't been about 
the Jedi, it was kind of neat to get this episode that by starting with Ahsoka is almost like this is the first episode of the Ahsoka show and the Mandalorian happens to kind of cameo on her show and we get to see Din almost from the perspective of somebody else's show in a way, which is, I think what's kind of neat about it, that it is, you know, almost like I flipped channels in the middle of the season and now I'm watching this different show. And then, you know, when this episode's over, we're kind of back into our regular show. When I get how some people like, we're kind of like Boo, about that, but he's literally going out into the universe. And when you go out from the end of season one, being like, you've got to take this child to go find the Jedi. I mean, that is your, you've got to go out into the star Wars universe then. And he, it's kind of neat because he goes out there and there's all these other stories happening. You know, in Star Wars, there's, you know, the Bo-Katan story and there's Boba Fett story and there's Ahsoka story. And he's just kind of riding through and weaving his way through all these other kind of Star Wars stories. But I don't feel like any of these stories like overtake Din's story, which they easily could have. Which, again, will be interesting when we start talking about season three speculation. Because... And I feel like it's something that really was hammered home in the Jedi. It could easily get lost in like the Wikipedia nature of all of it. Trivia bits of Star Wars. It could have turned into like a walking like data bank entry for who is Ahsoka Tano and who is Thrawn and all this stuff. But in the end, it was always about Din and Grogu and their relationship and their connection. And that's what's important. Yeah, and that's, like you were saying, what's so great about this season is they were able to take Din and Grogu's story of him going out into the world and it still being really focused on him and what's happening with their relationship, but being able to bump into these other stories that are already in progress and and having them overlap in what really is an organic way that makes sense. Like, it, you know, Ahsoka was doing her thing and Din runs into her and they kind of overlap for a little bit and we get to learn a little bit about all three of them. And then they're back into their separate stories. And it's, if this is the way pun not intended (laughs) uh, that then these four series go, I think that's going to be really cool if it ends up where all four shows kind of have their own story and then they overlap as makes sense for each individual story that that's, I think it's going to be really cool. I intentionally did not do anything with her in season one because I didn't want to mess it up. It's a character that George and I created. She's one of the first things I ever drew for Clone Wars. We cast Ashley Eckstein to be the voice of the character, and she brought such a great energy to Ahsoka in the animated series. The challenge was to take all of the elements we had and evolve them into this live-action version. I don't like bringing characters in unless there's a real value to it. It really was about how can we learn this child's name What's fascinating with her is she's the first character that we've met that really actually knew Yoda, unlike what the viewer experienced as well when they saw the child for the first time. So let's move on to the tragedy. Tragedy! The debut of the Bee Gees in the Star Wars universe. I knew Grogu was calling out to Robin and Maurice Gibb I mean, it is not a coincidence that Frank Marshall directed the Bee Gees documentary on HBO. And the beginning of the Bee Gees documentary says a Kennedy Marshall production. It's one step away from being a Lucasfilm production. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely a Lucasfilm Bee Gees con- connection in the universe somewhere. So, yeah, okay, the tragedy, Robert Rodriguez's ultimate Boba Fett fan film. I don't even care. It's beautiful. It's totally wild, a ton of fun. Well, yeah, and it, you know, this does almost become very similar to the Jedi, where in a way it starts out as Din and Grogu on an adventure, and it kind of, in extreme 90s style, Boba Fett like kicks through a wall, and all of a sudden it's the Boba Fett episode. But it, yeah, it really 
works in having Robert Rodriguez bring his kind of perspective on this whole thing in was a really great way to do it, especially because what well, there was a rumor that he was even he wasn't even the first choice potentially, and he was like a a last minute pick for this. Yeah, wasn't the didn't wasn't there something like an Empire magazine or something that James Mangold, uh, Ford versus Fry, Wolverine, and doing a Indy Five was originally going to do it? Uh, maybe I mean there was the whole weird thing on Twitter where people were saying, remember that James Mangold was going to do it and didn't. Like Ron Howard congratulate him, and he was like, "I don't have anything to do with that show." <laughs> like there was something weird, so maybe it was him. But I wonder if maybe they were already talking to Rodriguez about the Boba show because now he's executive producer on it. Or did that all happen because he did such a good job on this episode? I don't know. But Robert Rodriguez was not just like one of the kings of like just low budget dirty action movies he also was as big a green screen outrageous cg action movie guy as even george lucas like his spy kids spy kids 2 didn't we say came out like in 2002 the same year as attack of the clones like he was low budget george lucas from the same time george lucas was big budget cg george lucas like so he really is the perfect person to do something with the volume and something with star Wars really in his injection of Hong Kong action style filmmaking into, yeah, this little 30 minute Boba Fett love fest just, and you know, and again, still the dialogue moments between Din and Boba again, were just, you know, you can't see Din's face, but you can imagine his mouth hanging open, <laughs> like talking to Boba, because Boba again is like, "I'm no Mandalorian. I give now. I, I give my allegiance to no one. I just want my mama." You know, and like Din is experiencing so many different kinds of people. He's becoming acclimated in Star Wars world, and then it's a much bigger world out there for him. Well, and you know, the whole thing with Boba Fett too that we've been talking about all along is so great is as much as it's cool to have, you know, tough guy, badass Boba Fett. It also makes sense for the Din and Grogu story because here Boba Fett's whole thing is he wants his armor back because of his respect for his father and about his story is the relationship between fathers and sons and the legacy of just that familial connection between the two, which is something that, as the season's going on, that Din is starting to realize he has with his son, Grogu. That's what's just, I don't know, it's just so brilliant about this of like, it makes sense to have Boba Fett on the show. He's another Mandalorian and the, the stories connect in a way that makes both characters more interesting and stronger characters by them being together. And it's just cool to see him beat the crap out of stormtroopers with a, gaffy stick for 20 minutes okay moving on the believer when earlier when i was talking about uh how the jedi was uh one of the most important episodes of the season i would pick this one as the second most important episode of the season again it's one where when you go back and watch the whole thing it's absolutely perfect but then you know thinking back, oh, two months ago, so so long ago to two months ago, you know, when it was like, oh, Mayfield's coming back. Who knew how much the dialogue in this episode, how, how important that would be? And going back and watching it, it's fascinating because, like, when I think of this episode, I just think of the conversations between Din and Mayfield and I feel like that was the whole episode, and I completely forget about the whole fight on top of the tank and stuff. <laughs> and kind of the escape from the Imperial place and how much kind of action is in this episode. Because I just think back to like the like the conversations, the fascinating conversations in this episode. Well, yeah, it's one of those things it's almost like multiple episodes jammed into one, and it's a situation where the the dialogue is as intense as the action. 
so you can have a dialogue scene and be just as exhausted as watching the action scenes. And yeah, it really is the the returning Mandalorian veterans with uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and then Rick Fumiawa coming back. Like both of them really like upped their their game a lot as far as what they can do with the Mandalorian as a show. And, you know, we had high hopes for both of them. And in both cases, it was like, I didn't expect it to be this good. Yeah. Even watching it again now, like you said, there's just so much packed into this episode and so much really serious conversations that I didn't know I wanted that in this show. But now that I've seen it, it's, great and then on the other side you know we have boba fett crack, cracking jokes about how they might recognize his face dropping a seismic charge yeah yeah that yeah. it's you know it really is like you know the best star wars where you have the, the highbrow and the lowbrow like all mixed together the great thing too with watching the season as a whole is this episode's so important before we get to the rescue because it's taking all the themes of what we've been seeing all year long on the season and just highlighting them with a with a yellow marker and underlining them and putting a red circle around them and you know just really bringing home the whole idea of just blindly following rules and the damage that that can do like if those rules come from a place that maybe don't make sense or maybe you you know you just follow rules because you think that's what you're supposed to do well and it's also bringing back to new star wars the idea of you know it's like dj are they good guys or are they bad guys because the episode starts out and we have you know mando teaming up with one of the bad guys from the previous season and as soon as they disguise themselves as Stormtroopers, now they are the bad guys because the action scene on the truck is them defending the Imperial truck from the people who live on that planet who just want them to leave. And we're rooting for the bad guys because the bad guys happen to be the characters that we are invested in. So now we're the bad guys. And it's like, it's just great how it really is bringing that layer back in of you know is the empire really just bad and are the good guys really good that star wars doesn't always get into that those gray areas and it just works so well with this show when taking that way of thinking in the gray area and maybe questioning authority whether that's the empire or the new republic or the jedi or whatever taking that thinking and then Moving into the final episode of the season, The Rescue, which is a super-duper fun, fun, fun episode, like, all the way through. Like, everything with the the dark troopers, but the real, you know, the thing everybody talks about in that episode is, what, the last five minutes or whatever, when Luke Skywalker shows up. <laughs> yeah, the ultimate leap from, I can't believe... They're bringing the dark saber into this. To holy cow, I can't believe they brought Luke Skywalker into this. But just like the dark saber, if you follow the trajectory of the story they're telling, it's the simplest solution. It's the obvious answer. I mean, we spent we have a couple episodes of what are they going to do with the Jedi? How who's this ultimate Jedi going to be? Who makes sense? You know, are they going to go with what makes sense? Or is that too crazy? Is that too much? And in the end, they went with the obvious answer. It, it's the same thing as like what we were doing with Boba Fett. It was like, it's like, I don't want to say it too loud, but I think it's got to be Boba Fett. And it was the same thing where it's like, if it's not Luke, then why wouldn't it be Luke? <laughs> you know, because I don't know if you heard out there, but the reactions were kind of all over the place with the Luke reveal at the end. And like that morning and still to this day, I think it's like on one hand, like really genius and also like really mean because in a good way, naturally, when I saw that X-Wing fly in, I was like, oh, God, here we go. It's coming. And there is like kind of the like the the joy of seeing 
not too long after Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker, just, you know, moving his way through the the dark troopers that we were all getting really irritated with in a really good way. But that morning when he takes Grogu or Grogu chooses to go with him. And still to this day, when I rewatch that scene, I'm like, I'm kind of mad at Luke Skywalker. I don't want to feel these feelings. It's not what you want as the audience. And Luke just kind of swoops in and like, yes, kid's mine. It's my job. I'm going to take him. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm a Jedi. And that flies in the face of everything from the entire season. But I, but that's the point. <laughs> like I watching it, we're supposed to know this is wrong. Yeah. Cause it's kind of, I mean, it's the kind of, you know, fan service or whatever, if you're going to call it that, that the show does some well. And I think star Wars in general, when it does it well is it's bringing in something familiar and bringing it in, in a way that changes your, perception and perspective on it like when attack of the clones brought in the stormtroopers and they were the good guys all of a sudden in you know in the visual of darth vader leading a squadron of stormtroopers is now a visual of our jedi heroes leading a squadron of clone troopers and now with this you know luke skywalker showing up you know as the big badass luke but it now being from the perspective of he is the bad guy to Din's story in a way, because he's taking away Grogu, who he's just now coming to terms with his attachment to and his relationship with. And he lets him go away because he thinks that's what's best for him. But yeah, it didn't feel like a happy ending and it didn't feel like I was happy for anybody. And yeah, like you said, you were kind of mad at, Luke, because it's like, well, Luke's kind of being a jerk <laughs> because I don't want him to take him away. This isn't what I want. This isn't what it, this whole season's been leading to this point where I now, you know, they belong together. He doesn't belong with Luke. I mean, you could even, like you were saying with the stormtroopers, like Attack of the Clones, the clone troopers, you, you could even take it back further to the fact that it's Darth Vader who throws the Emperor down the the shaft on the Death Star at the end of Return of the Jedi. It's Darth Vader who saves the story. The person who in the first movie you thought was the big bad guy of it all. It's an interesting flip on all that. Like, you know, is Luke the villain of season three? I mean, in a way, maybe he is. It's the whole thing where he's doing what he thinks is right, but is what he thinks is right actually what is right for Grogu or for Din is some of this, you know, Luke Skywalker, the legend from last Jedi, where is he going to make choices that he regrets because he's, you know, falling for his own legend. What is season three going to (laughs) do? And that's, you know, the big thing where, Thinking about season three, it's, you know, it's, I remember before season two started where we were like, we have no idea where this is going to go. But now, you know, that seems very simple and childish because now it's, (laughs) now we really have no idea where the heck this thing is going to go. Like, seriously, where's this going to go? Because, you know, they, they have this light cruiser, they have Gideon still. You'd think now they're going to Mandalore. And there's, you know, a lot of the thought that, oh, well, is is it now just going to be about reclaiming Mandalore? And no, it's still going to be about Din and Grogu, their connection. That's the core of the story. And there will be other things going on. And there's a lot of very interesting seeds that they planted for where the story can go. I mean, there's still those clone things and vats that we. (laughs) Well, and like we were saying, it's like we now know there's going to be these four shows, and these four shows are all kind of concurrently going through their stories, but they all kind of overlap with Mandalore in a way. I mean, 
Book of Boba Fett has a relation to Mandalorians and Mandalore. The Mandalorian obviously has rela- a relationship with the Mandalorians and Mandalore. Ahsoka and her quest for Thrawn or whatever, Thrawn could have something to do with Mandalore. Like, it seems like there's going to be some Mandalore business going on in the background. But, this, yeah, like you said, the show The Mandalorian is about the singular The Mandalorian Din and his relationship with his little green adopted child Grogu. And I cannot in any way see that changing. And even if they're apart for some amount of time, it's got to be about them getting back together. Otherwise it's a totally different show and I can't see them just all of a sudden turning into a different show. And that was the thing. I mean, if it was anyone else, but Luke, it would be like, well, Din's going to get him back, but they know (laughs) bringing in Luke Skywalker it's like, well, how are you going to do that? Where they, they did, he doesn't even know where they went. And he's, he's got like the dark saber. So technically like he's like the ruler of Mandalore. So it presents like this interesting thing of like, is Din going to be like, yeah, this, this like reluctant King dealing with all this like drama on Mandalore where meanwhile, he's like, I've got to get out of here. I've got to go find this Jedi who he didn't even get his name. It's just like, are you a Jedi? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Like maybe Fennec knows who he is or maybe Bo-Katan, but yeah, we don't even know if any of those characters even know who that is. And I think there was some criticism for that of it being like, well, this is this character that these other people don't even know, but I feel like that was kind of, the point in a way where he does kind of just show up out of nowhere as this, like, I think when I like, he's like an apparition, like he just kind of appears and takes Grogu and disappears. And it's like, yeah, is season three, him just figuring out who this person is. Does he care that he's a hero of the, re- the rebellion? Is, are, is he going to go try to take Grogu back? Is something going to happen? Is someone else going to take Grogu from Luke? Like, it gets into the weird place where we kind of know what comes after this with the sequel trilogy. So it makes you kind of second guess what you think could happen with this show. But it's kind of insane when we thought about the end of season one and we weren't sure if they were just going to stay in the the outskirts of, of star Wars and not try to intersect with the, uh, with the movies. And now they're like, completely a hundred percent diving right into the very center of all the movies. <laughs> Couldn't be any more in the middle of it. Yeah. It really just, it opens it up to literally anything is possible. And I don't know. I can't even think of what would happen. And that's the beautiful thing. <laughs> we, that's the, we probably won't know anything until like what, maybe like a, a year from now or something, whenever it comes out, because it starts filming April 2021, the rumor came out. So maybe spring 2022 or something, it'll come out. And <sighs> yeah. Well, now we know from season two that they are not afraid to not tell us or show us anything. And all we got for season two was the one trailer that was only the first four episodes. Oh, yeah, I mean we're in the we're in the new era here of absolute secrecy <laughs> of what of what we're even in for. Yeah, the wait is going to be unbearable. Thankfully, we'll have Bad Batch and Visions and Book of Boba Fett all later in the year. And um, who knows? Maybe Book of Boba Fett will drop us some hints on what happened. Maybe Boba will call. Din or something. By the way, do you know this this Jedi showed up with a bull haircut and a black shirt and he took my kid? I know him. (laughs) Well, it's true. Boba knows him, so. We laugh, but maybe that's the key. I know that guy. I've been thinking about him all day. Is is Han going to show up in Book of Boba Fett? (laughs) I, I hope not, but... At this, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised. I, that's the thing, yeah. I mean, Boba's, Boba's not too happy with those guys. 
maybe they just have Chewbacca show up. But, you know, I, it's like the more you think about it, just the more it all opens up to how crazy are they willing to go and and all they just keep showing us that they're they're not afraid of anything (laughs) and whether you think it's a good (laughs) idea or not it doesn't matter it's they are fearless with these new live action shows and yeah the sky's the limit lives and it's something that they just see now on a regular basis that when you uh, say George Lucas and he created it I don't think people give enough full value to what that means Um, I like to think I do but I worked with him so I've seen him create it I've seen the person that uh, comes up with the lines and the dialogue and understands Anakin Skywalker and Luke Skywalker in a very deep level because those characters are a part of him. And, and for my part, you know, joining Lucasfilm, I always respected that. It, I never felt that Star Wars was something that was mine. I felt privileged to be a part of telling the story. I felt grateful that I got to do it with George. New Claytoo skiff guard Luke Skywalker and Lando Calrissian each sold separately from Star Wars Revenge of the Jedi collection. Prepare the planks, skiff guard. This will be a giant step for Jabba the Hutt. Surprise, surprise. Lando's in disguise. Let's get out of here. Whoa, the plank is falling. Help! Claytoo skiff guard Luke Skywalker and Lando Calrissian each sold separately from Star Wars Revenge of the Jedi collection. You from Kenner. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. You know the deal with Apple Podcast reviews. If you're listening on something, Apple something or other, go over there. Please write a little something about the show. We haven't had one, a new one in a long time. And I think, I'm not, I don't want to make any promises, but I think next week we're going to have time to read some of those reviews. So if you write a new one, you hear yours in the, the very next episode. Probably. And after that, make sure you check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com, which is the best place to search for back episodes. There's a handy little search feature on there. And make sure you are following us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And if you are on Facebook, make sure you are a member of the Super Chill Group. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, which you heard us talking about earlier. That's the place where all our full hour-long, sometimes longer reviews for every single episode of Mandalorian Season 2. That's where all those are at. And we just did Mandalorian Season 2 Q&A. And I think by the time you're listening to this, we'll have a commentary for Raiders of the Lost Ark tying into Indie Year over there on the patreon yeah and if you're you know in complete mandalorian fever we do have patreon episodes for all the episodes in season one as well but that about wraps up 252 here looking back at mando season two i still got the fever i'm still thinking about it all the time i'm not ready to give it up yet the only thing that cures the fever for season two is season three and then you then you got season three fever so it's just like 
If it's not one fever, it's another fever. Well, probably, you know, who knows? Maybe we're going to get Andor before that, too. And I don't know. By the time season three comes out, watch out because uh, we might be in uh, crazy states. But all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you.